Hello and welcome to Gunfighter Cast, episode 81. I'm John McGregor here with my co-host Daniel Shaw. Hey, Daniel. Hey, John. How you doing? I'm living the dream. Doesn't get any better than this. Uh, Daniel has over 15 years experience as a Marine infantryman. I have over 20 years experience as a law enforcement officer. So combined, we have about 30 years of experience as farms instructors and 32 years experience carrying concealed weapons. And the purpose of this show is to discuss firearms, equipment, and training as it relates to self-defense from a military, law enforcement, and civilian perspective. Take it away, Daniel. I think we it's about time to add one more year to every one of those years that we added out had out there, right? Yeah, we're going to have to edit our show notes, I guess. We've been saying those 15, 20, 30, and 32 for almost a year now. So, uh, yeah, I guess we need to add a digit to it because the year's up. Time flies. Because I am broadcasting right now from a closet in an empty apartment because the echo is so bad. Not a piece of carpet in this joint on Christmas Eve from Okinawa, Japan. That's right. It's Chris. Yes. I forgot it's Christmas Eve there. I'm still on the 23rd myself. Yep. It's Christmas Eve here. We knew the apocalypse wasn't going to happen before you did. Mm-hmm. I was pretty sure it wasn't going to happen before the 21st, but. Yeah, it was quite a disappointing apocalypse. It really was. Well, I mean, actually, you know, if you got to have an apocalypse, I would say that one went pretty well for us, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, you know, if that's the worst apocalypse we ever have, we're probably going to be all right. Very nice. So, yeah, I guess we alluded to it's been a year, and the year's almost up, in case you guys didn't realize that. And I, it is almost time for the new year. We're moving into 2013. A whole new year, Gunfighter Cast. I think we said something a long time ago that we we're going to try to do a lot of stuff this year. And... We did that. We did. I think Gunfighter Cast took some some big steps this past year. What do you think, John? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think we had. Well, we hired a new co-host. We did. That, that was one thing we did. Yeah, we got a we got a new co-host. It was just me, and then uh, we got this John McGregor guy. He came on just on fire, firing people right and left, like just taking over, saying this is changing, this is changing, this is changing, and next thing you know, we're putting out a show a week and. Uh, it was through John's leadership. It's, it's easy when you have all this money to throw around at all these problems. Yeah. That's right. Yep. That's it. No, uh, we were definitely want to thank the people that we've had on the show for the past year. Quite a few people out there. We've had uh, John Hottaway. Thanks for coming on. And Rob Pincus, Brandon LaBeouf, uh, Jorge Amsel, and uh, our new sponsor with Dark Angel Medical, Carrie Davis. And, uh, we just want to say thanks to everybody who's contributed to the show in the past year, uh, bought t-shirts, donated, supported, and whatever way, whether it's word of mouth spreading to your friends at the range or at work, thanks for promoting Gunfighter Guys. We saw a rapid, rapid growth this year, uh, and it's still growing fast right now. I think that's mostly due to, you know, just word of mouth advertisement and John and I getting together, putting content out there, whether it's good or bad. I think the more content, the more people are, are growing. Hey, you know, you reminded me of something because you talked about the people we had on the show. Probably might want to mention the, um, you know, I think a lot of people are expecting this to be the uh, the Paul and George episode as well. Yes, uh, we also had Paul Carlson from the Safety Illusions Academy podcast and George Hill from MattOger.com and Crusader Weaponry and Crusader Training. They got together last weekend with me and my bandwidth... Well, let me back up. I got my internet got cut off the first time we tried, and it just didn't work for again for like fifteen hours. And finally, they decided to turn it back on. They're like, "Oh yeah, that's right. You do pay a hundred dollars a month for this horrible internet. We should turn it back on for you." Uh, but that was too late then. 
So I had to go down to the club here on base, use the internet there to talk to Paul and George while they waited on me. And then the power goes out in the building because they're doing some kind of maintenance. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is just not meant to be. So then I have to go outside, sit outside of a coffee shop because they're playing some horrible music on the inside. And can't have that. And uh, so I'm sitting outside with my headset on and my laptop on my lap on a chair. And everybody's walking by looking at me like I'm an idiot. And I probably am. And so we put this whole show together. And the bandwidth that I was using just couldn't handle a threesome. So uh, once I got the audio from Paul... He was recording because I was unable to record on my end. It just wasn't going to be happening because I couldn't understand anything anybody was saying. It got to me and it just, it, it wasn't, it wasn't usable. Like it wasn't even legible. So, uh, I apologize to everybody, Paul and George for making you do all that work, but thanks for, for being there. And it was an awesome show. I promise you guys. I promise. It was good. <laughs> I'm glad one of us got to enjoy it. Well, one thing came out of it, whether nobody heard it or anything, but the three of us in conversation, I had planned for a few days. Like, I'm going to suggest that, you know, I offer some training and, and hopefully other people will join me in offering some training for uh, for teachers and school resource officers or custodians or people who mop floors in the schools that, you know, are legally allowed to carry a concealed weapon, you know, in a school. And I wanted to suggest that. And George, like, beat me to the punch and said it right, right as I was bringing it up. George hits it too, so like we're thinking the same thing, and then Paul immediately says, "I'll join you in that right away." So the three of us just suddenly we all agreed that this is something that that should be done, and uh, we started talking to some other trainers out there, and uh, we're compiling a list right now and have a Facebook page building on that, and you'll see that pretty soon. To where uh, has a list of people of trainers who are offering free stuff, and one of the trainers we talked to was Rob Pincus, and you know that we had a little bit of back and forth. First, trying to convince him and a few other people that you know weren't so sure about the whole thing and making sure we weren't having some kind of knee-jerk reaction. And uh, next thing you know, Pincus takes off and he's doing all kind of stuff, just like making it happen. Some, some really, really good steps in the right direction for uh, security of students and teachers in, in our school systems. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today, right? Yeah. Once we finish all this intro stuff, which we are not finished with. Yeah, I was going to say it sounds like we're pretty much in the body of the episode already. No, I just, you know, I had to throw all that out there. You know. Make excuses. I understand. That was an awful long uh, excuse, actually. Hey, yeah. Well, there, I think there's a difference in an excuse and a reason. Oh, okay. Right? Uh, just so you, just a, so you know. a reasonable excuse? Yeah. Well, I mean, just so you know, I, I actually spoke with, uh, with Clint Eastwood and Chuck Norris, but again, my bandwidth wasn't sufficient either, so uh, oh. unfortunately. Oh, yeah. it's like that. Yeah. Okay. It is. I, you know, I, I have to try and one-up you because all the famous people talk to you. The famous people. Yeah. Although I did get Carrie and Jorge, so I guess I'm I'm trying to They're trying to hold famous. you. In. Yeah. I think we're I think we're pretty even. Maybe this next year I'll pull ahead. I am going to Shot Show, so I plan on making all kind of cool contacts and getting all kind of free stuff lined up, and I'm not sharing with you. <laughs> It's gonna be like it's gonna be the way you treat me. I would, like, hey, I got something, but uh, you didn't. Uh, I would expect nothing else. <laughs> nah, you know, I wouldn't do that. Uh, you have T-shirts on the way, and I also paid twenty bucks to send two hoodies to you. So, oh, very good. You should be happy. Excellent. You know, we spoke about uh, Carrie Davis. Maybe that we could use that as a segue to move on to our sponsors of our show. Yeah, because Carrie Davis is one of the sponsors of this show. He is. Uh, along with Aries Gear, home of your favorite uh, Ranger belt. 
If you haven't bought one already, uh, well, you're just crazy because it's coming up to Christmas and be a great present for somebody. Uh, I've got Absolutely. I've got my Ranger belt. I've also got my military belt. Still working on putting that uh, that battle belt kind of thing together. Um, it's funny you should mention that. And we mentioned our friends and our competition of who gets to talk to the famous people and who gets the free stuff. Hey, what, what free stuff? Uh, well, yeah, I, I put a wish list on um, the GunfighterCast.us on our blog, mm-hmm. and my Christmas wish list. Part of that has came true because Aries here played Santa. <laughs> and Brad emailed me and said, hey, we're going to take care of you with that duty belt mill, that two-incher. And uh, I was like, wow, that's awesome. So thanks, Aries Gear, for that Christmas present. You know, honestly, I don't know what I'm getting from my family because I'm not there. Uh, I told the wife to get me a pair of these New Balance socks that I wanted. <laughs> That's that crazy. I was uh, at the store and I was like trying to buy something for myself for Christmas and something that we could unwrap underneath that little Charlie Brown Christmas tree that we bought at the 100 yen store. Yeah, I wanted New Balance socks. But I know I'm getting that and uh, I'm getting an Aries Gear belt. So thanks for that, Aries Gear. Yeah, I was actually, um, you had done your list. So I, my plan, and I've, you know, I actually had it uh, about half written was the following week I was going to put out my list as well. But, um, based on, you know, the events that we're going to talk about today, I didn't really feel it was appropriate to throw up a blog post about, uh, Christmas and stuff. So unfortunately, right. I didn't put anything up. Okay. Well, and well, you also got me something nice for, for Christmas too, though, John. Yeah. It's because I'm a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah, you got me a couple of magazines, right? I did. Well, thank you for that. TV Guide and Life. All right. They both hold 20 rounds each, right? And they fit a SIG 226? Yeah, uh, they might. <laughs> so, Aries Gear, buy a belt. www.ariesgear.com. Yeah, they're awesome. Really are. And I uh, can't wait to put that thing in my Brokos belt when I get back and throw my Dark on there from Dark Angel Medical, who happens to be our other sponsor of the show, which is that Carrie Davis gal we were talking about. And uh, if you missed it, you need to go back and listen to the previous episode where John and Carrie talk about medical kits and uh, and what Dark Angel can do for you. They can do a lot and uh, very, very affordable training and you get a lot out of it and you're going to walk away with one of those dark kits. Yeah, and there's uh, one, um, one product I'm real excited to get my hands on. Um, I actually tried buying one today because they're going to start selling this stuff at the Six R Pro Shop, but they're not in yet. But the uh, the Pocket Dark, it's something that uh, it's kind of a smaller scaled medical kit, but it's um, something that's small enough that you can you can carry it on your belt while you're you know just going around town, you know your normal concealed carry, and it's not going to look like you've got a double thirty round mag pouch strapped to your belt or anything. It just kind of blends in, doesn't attract any attention, but you've got the basic um, medical gear that you need in case of uh, an emergency, you know, be it. Now, have you seen one of those in your hands yet? I have not. I've only seen, uh, I've only seen them on, uh, you know, on the interwebs as they are referred to. Am I, am I wrong in thinking they look like kind of a thick wallet? Yeah, it seems like a little, um, you know, something... More of a, I, I mean, I guess you could just kind of tuck in a back pocket. Um, it's what it looked like. Yeah, yeah. My understanding, though, is it does have a uh, a strap in the back where you can put it on the belt if you'd like to. Or, yeah, yeah it looks like it'd be, uh, you know, back pocket, too, if you wanted to. Yeah, I want one of those. I'm also, I want to get another uh, another dark as well for throwing the Jeep and leave in there all the time. 
I know it's always there, so I don't have to like take it out and put it on my gear when I'm doing something, and then take it out, put my gear in the back or whatever. I want to have something you know dedicated where it never leaves the vehicle. Well, you should have put that on your Christmas list, apparently. Maybe I'll do that next Christmas. <laughs> yeah, because dreams were coming true on my Christmas list like like crazy. What did you want for I, um, Martin Luther King Day? Are you going to put out another list for that and see if you can scam our sponsors and listeners out of more stuff? Wow, that's just wrong. No, um, <laughs> my son's birthday happens to be on Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. So uh, I'll be occupied buying him Christmas presents or birthday presents. Very you know, it's nice. got to be rough having your birthday like 20 days after Christmas. I always feel bad for him. Yeah. Well, maybe that works as benefit then if you feel bad. No, well, sometimes it doesn't matter how I feel. Mm. <laughs> you can only do what you can only do. You know what I mean? But I think we digress a little bit out of our uh, Dark little, Angel Medical commercial. So, uh, John is clearly bitter that I got a free belt. Yes. Clearly. I can could, I could, I could hear it in his voice, and he's trying to take stabs. <laughs> it hurts, John. It really, it really hurts, man. My passive-aggressiveness really is showing through. <laughs> Just remember, Jake, I'm a, be- I'm a better customer. Crickets, well, crickets, that? crickets. Why? Because I pay for my belts. He, he makes money off me. I've paid for two belts. Oh, all right. Well, I guess we're... But. And I paid for a belt for one of your listeners, John. Somebody who who comes on here and downloads the show and supports the show and listens to it. He won a contest, and I and I bought that guy a belt. And now you're gonna dog him? No. How can you do that? No, I was actually dogging you. Let's let's keep it well, clear. I'm trying to twist this around a little bit, <laughs> make it worse than it is. Very good. So, all right. Buy a Dark Angel medical dark kit. Buy an Aries gear belt. Put them together. Be safe. Uh, don't forget to join in the NRA and Second Amendment Foundation. Oh, we're not there. You said be safe. Oh, yes. Yep, that's it, folks. Just is just one long commercial. You're always playing that trick on. Yeah. All right, Daniel. What did we miss from uh, the episode that uh, never made it? You know, I started seeing posts on Facebook and people saying, "Hey, what a tragedy in in Connecticut!" But I'm not giving up my Second Amendment. Or, or what about a? Uh, but they would say, like, yeah, there's something completely stupid, basically. Um, like, I don't understand that whole thought process of uh, this tragedy, but I'm not But I'm not giving up my Second Amendment and things like that. And I don't understand those things because uh, I think that was the wrong path that we should have taken. I think we should have began to all together not start turtling up. We should have just cried with a loud voice, like, here is direct evidence. This is why. We need to have an armed society. We need to have an armed citizen as our first line of defense against these evil people. Like we just saw in Oregon, where uh, that shooting, I've been wondering since it started, since I heard about that. How come this guy only shot two people? He went in there dressed for success and wearing a hockey mask. He was ready to off folks. I was like, did he just have like, did he realize what it looks like when he shot somebody? And now he's like, you know what, maybe I don't want to do that again to somebody else. So he quit. And I had all these questions about why did he just shoot two people and then shoot himself? And then what we find out recently, John, that uh, there was a armed former security guard that worked in the same mall that drew down on him with his Glock. And he's pointing a gun right at him. They make eye contact. And the guy immediately takes his gun, puts it to his face and pulls the trigger. He met armed resistance and he stopped shooting folks. You know, we, we see this every time. And I, I think we, we took the wrong, the wrong route as soon as this thing happened. Uh, yes, it's what, I mean, they, nobody can put it into words, the tragedy. I can't even imagine being a father, uh, having to go through what these families are going through right now. It's like, and 
children. I, I think I, it's horrible, and there's no way to you know put it into words like what everyone's feeling. The whole nation uh, has experienced this, and I can't even imagine what it would be like to be there in the community or be one of the parents. But this is we are we are the the people who take the training. We are the people who are qualified to carry concealed weapons. We are the people that our nation, our society has said, yes, it's okay for you to carry a gun in my presence concealed. Or we're the experts, you know, that teach about teach firearms. Or and we're all we we're the ones. We should have not been saying all these crazy things from the beginning, like all these defensive stuff. We should not 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 I told you so. I don't think we should say that. I think it's much too sensitive an issue to say that. But we should have approached this in a different way and said, look, you're, we've been offering you this solution to stop these things or minimize them once they've started for a long time. When are you going to start listening and have all the experts who go on the news saying the same thing? And uh, that, that's, I think that that's the way we should have went with it. And I've seen some people go in that direction and some that was just uh, made it sound like that in their argument that, uh, yes, guns are bad, but I'm not giving them up. And that's just the wrong way to do it, you know? Now, when you when you say we, uh, who are you really talking about? You're talking about the kind of the internet community in general, because I assume that's probably where you saw most of this type of feedback, right? Well, yeah, I'm thinking about us responsible gun owners that own firearms and are at least in some way vocal, whether it's a Facebook post or you have a blog. And I saw most of the bloggers were doing some awesome stuff. And, uh, or whatever you're, you're doing the way, however you, whether you're talking to, you know, somebody in casual conversation on public transportation, whatever. The, uh, we as the gun culture, the gun community, and most particularly, you know, whether we like it or not, John, you know, people come listen to us and they consider us experts. So us podcasters, uh, uh, ooh, are podcasters experts? Gun dudes? Can we, can we put those in that category? Yeah, looking around my uh, high-tech studio, I really feel like an expert here. Yeah, but, I mean, you're a law enforcement officer. You work at Six Hour Academy. People email you all the time wanting your, want you to answer questions about what, what they have issues with. You're an expert, man, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Uh, there's just no doubt about it. And uh, us as the experts, you know, or, or at least perceived as experts, digressing again, you know, we, we should have been – I think we should have been offering solutions at the beginning. So that kind of came out of the conversation between Paul, George, and I. And we decided together we were all going to offer free training for school personnel. And if they were legally allowed to carry a concealed weapon or carry a weapon in the school grounds, then we we're going to give them some free training. And uh, we went to a few trainers, and pretty much every single one of them we talked to came on board and just doing all kind of good stuff, uh, moving in the right direction. So do you think um – I mean, you, you talked about knee-jerk reactions and, and so forth and, you know, those initial comments. I wonder if there's – obviously, it's a, it's a tragedy, and I think everybody wants to come up with a solution, you know, some type of quick solution. And, again, maybe not everybody because, you know, like you said, some people just care about their own Second Amendment rights, which, you know, I'm certainly not minimizing, but instead of focusing on – maybe the more complex solution to fix the problem of, you know, what happened at Sandy Hook. Um, it's probably not just going to be a, you know, a, a quick fix type of situation. I mean, there's, um, you know, people suggesting stuff on, you know, maybe on our side that 
well, if we just have volunteers stand outside the school with guns, that's going to keep them safe. And almost to the other end of the spectrum where some people think, well, we just take away all the guns and that'll make them safe. Um, certainly a couple knee-jerk reactions in opposite directions that I think are unfortunately uh, oversimplistic in their in their thought process. Yeah, there's no Band-Aid you can put on this and have a quick fix. There's no small fix. It's It's going to take a lot of steps you know there's not just one thing that we can do we can't just say okay hey let teachers carry guns and now suddenly this is going to be fixed we can't just say well let's you know lock down school you know but there's i think it's going to take a a variety of solutions that come together and it's still not going to be able to completely stop this from ever happening but what we can do is we can you know increase our ability for early detection we can uh possibly deter these individuals who are thinking about doing this and we also have the ability to stop them once the violence starts. And then we also need to have that, uh, the ability to minimize the damages. You know, as soon as this guy's downed, uh, we've got, you know, kits and trained personnel there on scene even before EMS is getting in there because they're outside the cordon. You know, and, uh, we can start working on folks and start triage and start doing some medical things. I think it's a, a big, I think it's a whole, you know, group of things that we need to get together start working towards and uh, just like a whole crisis management. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, you've just talking there, I mean, you've hit on upon a couple things, you know, as far as the training and the equipment and so forth. And, um, you know, there's also the component of more, yeah, I, I don't trying to think of the proper phrase. I'm sure there is one, but basically hardening the target itself, not just through, you know, what people are carrying, but, you know, just the, the facility itself, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, if people do, you know, are able to get into the school, there's, you know, there's one way to do it that, uh, they just can't go to the back door or the side door or anything else, maybe doing something with, you know, windows at, uh, the ground floor so that somebody just can't, you know, you lock all the doors, they just break a window, get into a classroom, and, and now they're in the building. I was talking to my dad about that uh, around the, you know, he's law enforcement officer for many years, and he was explaining to me about the uh, the schools in the area because I, I, I'm I completely against this whole lockdown procedure in a school that doesn't have hardened surfaces and having doors that cannot be opened. And, you know, he was explaining that the schools in our area around, you know, the city of Greensboro and the area around there, like their schools are, you lock a door and shut it. There ain't no getting in that thing. You know, it's like you're, this guy's stuck unless he just has some, it's going to take him a heck of a lot of time and he needs to have some breaching tools with him. And it's just not going to happen. But apparently that wasn't the case uh, in Connecticut. What I keep hearing people say things like, uh, they did everything right. Like yeah, they had this, they had the camera system outside and they had to buzz someone in. Like that, that, that those are to me that those, that's not doing everything right. Those are feel good measures. Those are not physical security measures that actually will work. They may act as a deterrent, but they're not going to stop anybody who puts any thought into this. One is a glass door. Okay, that that's not a barrier. Glass is not a barrier ever. Uh, it's just not going to happen. So that's one problem. And then this whole camera thing. Yeah, we buzz them in, and then they have to come straight to the office and check in. Like, okay, what, what's what's called? What's making them go straight to the office? You have an escort, you know, an armed escort. Like. These are all feel-good measures, if you ask me. I don't. I don't think those are actual. You know, being someone who's done quite a bit of physical security in hardened locations, uh, especially non-permissive locations, these aren't. They're, they're just not, not, not good. Not going to work. 
And uh, I think we need to harden, like you said, definitely need to harden these surfaces and uh, make it to where if a lockdown is a lockdown. Like once I shut this door and flip these two switches, there's nobody coming in until I see them slide a badge under the door and I tell them and I unlock these things and they're not going to be able to come through. So if you're going to lock down, we need to be able to lock down. Was that what you're getting at with the hardened surface or just uh Yeah, a little bit of that. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, you were saying they did every or people said they did everything right and um, you know, it doesn't sound like you kind of felt that way. I kind of fall somewhere in the middle. I mean, just because I mean, I've seen schools that, you know, large large schools, they've got maybe 10, 20 different doors and they're all those are, are places that are open that, you know, somebody can just come walking in the school. Uh, so, I mean, it sounds like they were at least taking steps in the right direction. But Well, you know, budget may but, also be an issue. I don't want to sound like that they were failing. Yeah, budget's that, always an issue. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to, didn't want to come across sounding like that I'm saying that that school did something wrong and that's why this happened. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, I'm, there's all, yeah, the budget and uh, definitely, can they afford to do that? They, they may have done everything that they can possibly do with what they were offered mm-hmm. that, that we can't, we, we can't know that unless we really get down into their budget and whatever else they're spending money on and everything else. Uh, but what I'm saying is we could, we could do better. And if that budget was the issue, then schools need more freaking money, man. We need to, and we need to put it in the right place. We need to have, uh, we got regulatory agencies for everything and huge government already. Uh, I'll go in and volunteer for the schools in my area where I'm going to go to, to go look around and tell them things that they can do to make themselves more physically secure. And I'll go be a consultant for free for these schools. And then you guys buy, buy this product, spend this money on this, put it over here, do this. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of folks out there and businesses and, and private organizations that, that offer those things right there just, uh, for home, residential and, you know, workplace and schools and everything. So we need to f- come up with some solutions for money wise. That's part yeah. of the thing we could add in there too. And I think one of the, I mean, if, if there can be a silver lining in a situation like this is, uh, it has given, I think, a lot of schools, a lot of administrations, uh, room to think about that, uh, you know, pushing to the forefront now that, you know, parents are, you know, concerned and raising concerns that they are looking at their own, their own internal, um, structure, you know, internal policies and so forth. You know, one of the things that you mentioned was, was lockdown. And, uh, I guess some places, I guess lockdown might, lower somebody's self-esteem. So sometimes they call it shelter in place so they don't feel bad about themselves. Yeah. But um, I, I think that it can be a valid technique um, for a certain circumstance. Um, it, and I, I think where maybe it fails is that it it's not treated as a fluid technique. And I guess what I mean is if in the bad guy or whatever is right out in the hallway outside of a certain wing of classrooms. Um, and they've got no way to escape other than out the hall where the bad guy is. Then, then maybe lockdown at least is, uh, you know, the best thing that they can do until that person maybe enters the classroom. Um, but if you're in the wing on the other side of the school, I think a lot of places lockdown means everybody does the same thing. And that doesn't make any sense. If you're at the other end of the school and, you know, the bad guy is 
at the opposite end of the school, you guys should be getting out of the school, not locking yourselves in and making yourself uh, yeah, sitting ducks, basically. No, I, I agree. But what you're suggesting there is going to require some training. Oh, definitely. And, you know, I, I think there needs to be training. There, we need to run drills just like we run fire drills. And, okay, we're, we're running this drill, and I, you could do it on just teacher work days if you need to. You don't have to have students there for these things. Uh, get, uh, you hear gunfire, the shooter on the other side of the building. You have the opportunity to get your kids out of safety, have them go as fast as they can in this direction, then do it. Uh, and it could be something to the point where maybe you build some kind of privacy fence around the outside of the fence. So once you get past that, then the bad guy can't even see you to put accurate shots on you. There's just so many different – and like you could use it also as a uh, another barrier for people coming in. There's just a thousand things that you could do. But, yeah, I agree with you, man. It's – um. The lockdown thing, if you have bulletproof doors, basically, where they would stop most calibers, uh, and you hit those locks and there's no way this guy's getting in, uh, you know, I, I think it could be viable, uh, a valid, you know, use anywhere in the school and not even leave because I know he can't come in here because basically I'm in a little fortress right now. But what I also concerned about is what about the kids who are smoking cigarettes in the bathroom? What about the ones who are kind of coming back in late for class? The hall monitor, you know, the little security guy or whatever that, mm-hmm. that helps out. You know, are they getting stuck? Now everybody's went in the lockdown procedures right now, but that kid was in the bathroom. Now that everybody's locked down, he can't get anywhere. Now he's stuck. What does that kid do? Have we went over this in a drill? You know, yeah. that, that's what we need to do. We need, we need to be thinking about those things. Yeah, and like you said, uh, it's something that would require – uh, you know, a certain amount of training, not just training the, the same old stuff. I mean, I wonder how much of it is, you know, I think everybody has seen fire. You know, everybody knows that fire can be deadly. So we come up with a, a simple drill for fire. But uh, I mean, unfortunately, how many, how many times have you heard some, you know, certain people say, well, I don't believe in guns. Well, I, I can guarantee you they exist. I've got one right here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but they don't they don't want to deal with that reality so they certainly don't want to you know do any training for something that they don't believe in that they don't want to think about i think that's part of the uh part of the problem as well i think you're right i think that that is it's like a a mental block that they've put up to shield themselves from the horror that could be uh what happened in sandy hook mm-hmm. yeah it, it's reality you know, whether you believe in guns or not, um, yeah, they exist. Then you argue in that one. Yeah. Yeah, I don't get it. So what what, what are you – we talked about hardening uh, the school itself as far as, you know, doors and actually being able to, to execute lockdown procedures. Maybe the ability to evacuate if that, you know, situation arises where, hey, it's time. Here's criteria for locking down. Okay, I'm locked down. Okay, at what point should I take my kids and get the heck out of here? Because it's going to be safe for us for us to leave the area. Uh, I mean, what's going to happen if the place catches on fire? You know, like we have to have procedures for this. You can't just say you're going to lock down until the police arrive. Well, that works real great until you got a guy walking through the hallway uh, wearing an SCBA and shooting up the place with a couple of pistols and, a, and an AR. You know, maybe that's kind of an extreme situation. I think we if we need to, we think about. For a fire drill, okay, hey, there's fire outside this door. We have to go a different direction because there's fire on this route we were going to take. Okay, let's go a different direction. Kind of the same concept. Hey, that guy's over there, so we're going to go this direction. 
we need to drill that. We need to do it. We need to work on it. Because you may not be able to just shelter in place or, or lock down and sit there and stay. Maybe if that shooting goes exactly as planned for the way you planned it, then you'll get to do that. But unfortunately, uh, we're not in control when these madmen go crazy through places like that. Yeah, and I guess, um, you know, that's part of, you know, kind of what we're talking about is that's, you know, the certain, the, the scenario that you just spoke of, the, you know, the guys out in the hallway with the AK-47 and the two pistols. Other than just training for that situation, you know, let's invest resources in making that not happen. You know, work before it comes to the, okay, he's in the hall with the AK-47. What else could we have done at at the front end? The, um, and, and, you know, I think you talked about some of it already, you know, the, the hardening the target. Also, yeah, what's the, uh, the word I'm searching for? The deterrent effect of, Mm -hmm. you know, that knowing if the shooter knows that, that teachers are allowed to be armed, that there's likely that they're going to meet armed resistance. I mean, it's, do you think it's a coincidence that, you know, all these mass shootings that have occurred in, in recent history, you look back and, and how many of them occur in gun-free zones? You know, do you think that's a coincidence? Definitely not a coincidence, you know, without a doubt. I mean, I, you could, there's just so much evidence to support that these people are going to go into places that are gun-free zones where they're not going to meet any resistance. When they do meet resistance, they're going to do one of two things. They're going to surrender or they're going to off themselves. And that's just, that's what happens every single time. When, when does it not happen that way? You know, even um, the guy who shot up uh, Aurora, Colorado in the movie theater. That, mm-hmm. wasn't, that wasn't the closest movie theater to his house. There was one much closer to his house. There was one like a minute and a half from his house or 1.5 miles away. And the biggest one that, that – well, the one that Bo said there, the biggest one in the city or the biggest one in the, the state is only 10 minutes from his house. He chose this one because it had signs on the door and it said no concealed weapons allowed. John R. Lott, uh, I don't know if you've read Med, More Guns Left Crime out there, but a really good book and he constantly updates it. Uh, he's an economist and a really, really smart uh, writer and uh, public speaker. Check out – he wrote an article and I'll, I'll find the link to it and I'll throw it in the show notes for you guys um, where he, he wrote about that and really good stuff. And it just – it shows that you know he specifically chose the gun-free zone, specifically. When he had a chance at more people to shoot and he had a chance at a closer to his house, he chose the gun-free zone. Well, the um, the uh, the other shooting you were talking about, the Clackamas Mall, I believe it's called, that was also a gun-free zone, wasn't it? The uh, uh, I believe the the security guard uh, yes. either made a mistake in carrying his weapon in there, but um, you know, how did that turn out? If I'm not mistaken, I heard this from people. I haven't found this written down. I have to look it up and research it. If anybody finds it out there and finds it, I'm wrong. Please let me know. What I heard, and I hate saying that, but uh, was that only even the cons- even the security guards there weren't allowed to carry? Have you heard anything like that, John? I I have not, but it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, I've seen. Yeah, there's plenty of malls like that. Oh yeah, I would imagine even. I w- I wouldn't be surprised. Like in in my state, pretty easy to get a concealed carry permit. I think if you um, you know, you come to a mall and start shooting the place up where where I live, you're you're going to be facing some guns pretty quick. But by the same token, it wouldn't surprise me if the actual um, you know, mall cops, you know, the security people have policies in effect that say they can't carry guns. I mean, I'm sure it's just a liability thing for their employers. They're supposed to, 
observe and report and, you know, all that stuff. So it, it doesn't surprise me that they would be limited from, from caring in the, in the malls that they work. But yeah, I mean, that, but we also, we see those, we see that they're choosing gun-free zones. And like I said, after that, we're seeing that whenever they're met with armed resistance or sometimes any type of resistance, their last act of control is to off themselves uh, or they just surrender because they, when they meet that opposition. So what does that lead us to believe, John, that we should have some way to oppose them in place whenever someone comes and starts shooting up a school? Yeah, I mean, I believe so. I think it's, uh, and, uh, you know, I'm certainly not saying that we should arm all teachers because, you know, quite frankly, teachers are just a subsection of the population. Some of them aren't going to want to be armed. Um, Some of them aren't going to pass background checks. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd like to hope that they there's some kind of background check, but I, I'm, I hear what you're screaming about that. But, um, you know, well, I guess my point is even if it's a, you know, a decent law-abiding citizen, if, if they've made the informed decision that they cannot pull the trigger on another human being, then it's a liability for them to have a, a weapon. But if like, you know, the sub, you know, subsection of society as a whole, if there are some educators and some administrators and, you know, some people in the school who will be carrying weapons and they, you know, they will be trained and, and so forth. I think that that would have a deterrent effect on somebody. And, and I think it's in some cases, I think it's going to be much more useful than just having the, you know, the, the volunteers or, or somebody just standing outside, be it a, a uniformed security guard um, a well-intentioned volunteer. I mean, if you just have the, you know, the one person in the, and again, not to you know, just throw, you know, not to point any stereotypes, but you know, somebody out there with a M65 field jacket with the arms crossed, you know, at the front door that might have a deterrent effect or the wacko might just know that, well, there's the guy standing outside that's got the gun under his coat. So I'll shoot him and then I'll go in the school. I think it's much more of a deterrent effect when it's not something that they can readily observe who's got the guns and, you know, what parts of the, the building they're going to be in at any given time. Yeah, I think you're on the right track there. Like the, the volunteer thing, okay, that sounds great. We all feel good about it. I saw a Facebook picture, a Facebook picture of a, a Marine in Cami standing in front of a school and mm-hmm. everybody was all had this touchy feel like, oh, he's such a hero. Oh, he's standing there. What a great guy. And I'm like, dude, I would slap that kid right now and say, get out of here, go put on some service alphas, Charlies, Bravos, another uniform other than camis, because we don't wear camis in public. We don't wear utility, it's just the rule under any circumstances, unless you're stopping to provide emergency aid for somebody. Other than that, you don't do it. But somehow this guy wanted some big feel-good thing. He wasn't even armed. Like, what are you going to do? You could probably walk up and just punch the guy in the face and he's done anyway. Come on, this, why, why are we doing this feel-good stuff? Like, this isn't going to do any good for anybody. And the volunteer standing out front, whether he is armed or not, yeah, that's going to be really great. This volunteer thing sounds awesome until a year from now when everybody's sadly done what humans do, and especially the U.S. does. We start going to the mall and watching American Idol, and we forget about this stuff. Next thing you know, there's no volunteer up there, and there's a guy that's been watching the school every single day waiting for a volunteer not to show up. So the volunteer thing is not the answer. I think it could help as a deterrent. I mean, by all means, it's great. We can, it's, it's a different, it's another layer, but it's definitely not the answer. Yeah. I think what you just said is, is the key before anybody gets there. 
their panties in a bunch. Uh, you know, we're not saying that, you know, don't, you know, that the volunteer thing is, it's totally bad, but I certainly don't think it's the answer. Like you said, if, if it's, it's not going to be the band aid, it's not going to be the knee jerk reaction, the one thing that we can do and suddenly the problem's going to go away. But I kind of think that that volunteer, and again, we're kind of using the stereotypical volunteer, somebody that's just going to stand outside with their arms crossed. Um, you know, I bring in, and my girls are older now, I don't bring them to school anymore, but, but when I did, I kind of feel like I was performing that function, not through any type of organized thing, but just because I was exercising my rights to conceal carry. Um, I certainly didn't do anything, uh, you know, I didn't, wouldn't, go to school in uniform or anything, but, uh, I would have a weapon available to me if, if something did happen while I was there. And, you know, if there are more, you know, more parents that are doing that kind of thing and maybe, uh, you know, stopping in throughout the day or, or whatnot, or when they do have reason to go to the school, uh, you know, making sure that they're prepared for something like that. In that respect, it's no different than, um, you know, you go to the mall, you go to the movies, you go to any place where there's going to be a large number of people. If if you are trained and you are equipped and you are willing, you should be carrying your concealed weapon with you. Well, another different subject altogether, but, uh, you know, that if someone is standing around outside and they're the volunteer for security, the best way to do that type of security uh, and counter, counter surveillance and everything is uh, be extremely alert, but don't look like you're alert. Yeah, and uh, that's the key. Like you're doing something else, you're helping the kids, you're leading them to class, you're doing something, but you're not looking like you're actually that security guy. But like you touched on it too, I think we need redundancy. You know, if we just have uh, one or two teachers in and one's out on a field trip and the other one called in sick that day, you know, it's uh, then we don't have anything there. Karen, I'm not saying, hey, like you said, we shouldn't do, obviously. Uh, oh, you're a teacher? Well, now you got to qualify with a pistol, you got to carry it, we're making you all carry. Like that's just ridiculous. Uh, just uh, all we're saying is just allow the ones, uh, who want to carry. And there's a lot of people, as we discussed earlier, that's going to help give them training, no cost to them. We're not talking about, and some people say, oh, you're going to arm teachers. Like they don't know how to shoot or anything else. We can only have police officers. I, I know that school teacher right now that shoots better than any police officer I've ever met. I mean, really, and it has more tactical training and more military training and, and close quarters of battle and such. Just, I think we've had this conversation before on Gunfighter Cast, John, where we have kind of let the people know that just because you're a police officer doesn't mean you're a member of the whole gun culture and you take training seriously and that you are extremely proficient with that pistol on your side. You know, I think we've, we've kind of touched on that before in the past. I don't understand yeah. how how the public somehow has this picture in their mind that, oh, the magnificent precision shooter experts just showed up. Like You see that picture recently of the uh, female officer, I forget where it was, that had the magazine and the AR backwards? Like I'm just hoping that was photo- photoshopped and fake, but uh, it looked pretty real. Yeah, I haven't seen that photo, but... Uh, yeah, but it doesn't surprise It wouldn't surprise you, would no. it? No, but by the same token, you know, like you said, these are, you know, they... they expect that the police are going to show up and magically save the day. But, um, a guy I was working with was, you know, recently telling me about, um, a school was getting built in his jurisdiction. And as they're building the school, um, you know, they're talking, you know, discussing what's going to happen and, you know, how they're building this. And, and somebody suggested, uh, 
to the, and I guess it was kind of like a walkthrough of like the skeletonized building. They're talking about where they're going to put the SRO offices. And, you know, somebody suggested, hey, why don't we put some kind of uh, concealed uh, rifle lockup kind of system so if something bad does happen, the SRO can, you know, grab the rifle right there as opposed to having to run out to the car and run back in and solve the problem. And, you know, how, how receptive do you think the, the school administration was to that? You know, the eyes went wide as saucers and it's like, no, 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 we can't have, you know. So by some, on some stretches, they expect that, you know, the police officers are magically going to fix out anything. But on the other hand, you know, God forbid you want to, you want to put a tool that's going to improve the odds that they're going to be able to do that. But they're probably going to plans for fire extinguishers all over the place. Oh, yeah. The, the fire people will come in and they'll tell you exactly where you need all these fire they're, extinguishers. To me, to me, there's no difference whatsoever. They are both emergency crisis situations that can be planned for ahead of time. But fire extinguishers aren't evil like guns are. Isn't that the argument? Uh, that's the argument. I mean, but, they're uh, red and they're round and they don't have sharp edges. They have cute little expiration well, tags. Sp- they're not- when I spray you in the face with some dry cam extinguisher and then I hit you in the head with it, I'm pretty sure you're going to think that extinguisher was evil. You know, it's the same thing. Like uh, we're we're preaching to the choir to each other yeah. because, uh, you know, we realize that, you know, yeah, that fire extinguisher in the wrong hands could be deadly. Mm. <laughs> but a an AR or an M4 in the hands of a school resource officer, you know, probably not going to be so bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't get it, man. Like, I, is it, it's like a, like you I think it's a mental block. Like, oh my goodness, we can't have that. We can't have our police officer able to protect our students. Oh, that's just mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. If we put this rifle rack in here, I am accepting the reality that somebody could come in here with a gun and I'm not prepared to accept that reality. I'm sure that's what's going through their heads. That's it right there, man. That's it. So, Daniel, one of the things that, um, you know, you had kind of mentioned before was, you know, the kind of the knee jerk reaction and stuff. And, and I think, you know, from what I've seen, a lot of people think that, that firearms are the solution, uh, be it that we should have more of them. We should have access to them. And then of course there's the other side that says, uh, you know, that's the problem and we should remove all the firearms and that's going to solve the problem. But, uh, you know, you mentioned something earlier about some other equipment that, you know, we shouldn't ignore and all the, you know, controversy about firearms and that's the, uh, the medical stuff. Yeah. I think that's an easy sell because we are actually having to sell this because we have to get everybody on board to start letting something happen. And I, unfortunately, we don't have the teachers union on our side and all the teachers ready to scream with the same voice saying, we need to be able to protect ourselves and our students and carry firearms. We, that's probably not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, I would like for that to happen sometime in the future. There's one thing we could definitely all agree on right now. We need to have some medical stuff, you know, and the ability to use it. And not just the school nurse only. You know, in a mass casualty incident, that school nurse is going to be just a little bit occupied. So not going to be useful at all. But if we have active shooter kits in every classroom or at least every other classroom or something or somewhere where maybe they got the defibrillator over here, uh, fire extinguisher, and then the active shooter kit. And, you know, multiple tourniquets, multiple other uh, bandages, quick lot bandages, and, um, you know, whatever else we need to have in there. And lot of, lots of things. Training on some teacher work days on how to use these things. And uh, how do you, and not just one or two tourniquets, that may not be enough at all. But uh, 
you know, have, have a lot enough equipment in these things to, to really do some work on a lot of people if you need to really fast and start triage. And uh, I, I think that would be a good step in the right direction. Yeah, I, I think one of the uh, uh, areas of resistance you're going to see is if you call it an active shooter kit because you're going to run into that whole, I don't want to accept this reality. So, um, you know, maybe uh, more of a, a covert approach where, you know, we – you kind of push the crisis management kit. Yeah, I was thinking, I, I was thinking major boo boo kit, so that uh, again, nobody's self esteem is hurt if they if they have to use it or whatever. But uh, yeah, just kind of half kidding aside, though. But you know, I think that's might be a hurdle to overcome is having it referring to the shooting aspect when uh, it's kind of like you know, I don't want to keep plugging my episode with uh, you know with Carrie from Dark Angel Medical, but. You know, where he does train and, and his kits are designed, you know, to help somebody out if they do have a gunshot wound. They're also designed for, um, you know, those other things, those other types of emergencies. It's not just about active shooters. And maybe if we can sell it as that way, that it's just, you know, emergency medical training. You know, somebody, uh, you know, accidentally puts their hand through the window or something. Well, yeah, but yeah, we train like all these different things. Just one of the situations we train for it would be a gunshot wound to the body, you know, just, and it just, it's one of the many that we train them for. And that's going to increase those child security and survivability. Well, maybe not their security, but the, the survivability in case something does happen to them, whether it is like a glass incident, like you're talking about, or cut, or maybe a kid brings a knife to school, stabs somebody else, or uh, someone falls down and hits their head. You know, there, there's just, this stuff's out there. And you could call it the, the, rainbow unicorn magic fix-all kit it doesn't matter i don't care what you call it i'm just oh, i like um, that that's freaking awesome uh yeah we need to we need to have something there man again i don't care how it needs to get spawned or worded but you know for me i'm a parent and i have a two-year-old and i have a 10-year-old if i went to a school and i i don't i don't want to if if my oldest son stayed with me all the time he would not be in public school uh if my Whenever Gunner gets old enough to go to school, uh, he is not going to public school. He'll probably get homeschooled where there is no gun-free zone. And uh, that's not, that's only just one of the 20,000 reasons why I don't want to put him in the public education system. But what I'm getting at here is if I went to a school and they said, hey, we've got this policy here where we allow our teachers to carry concealed weapons. So you have to sign this waiver that says that, you know, you are, you know and you acknowledge that this teacher may be armed, whatever. Like, okay, where do I sign? Here's my resume. Let me know if you guys need any training and need any help. Because uh, I would be more than happy to come help your teachers and, you know, do some stuff with them if they have anything. So, yeah, where do I sign this thing? I would be completely happy to do that. That's what I was getting at earlier when I talked about the law enforcement culture with guns and the training and everything. Uh, it doesn't take a whole lot to get someone proficient with a pistol, at least enough to hit someone at close range. And we're talking about some of these teachers and some of the way they, they died in Sandy Hook, where uh, the teacher put all of her students in the cubbies and stood there when the bad guy came in and said they're all in the gym. And uh, he killed her. You know, what if she was behind a desk right then, had drew from her purse or somewhere on the body? Uh, I prefer on the body carry around kids, not off body in the purse. But uh, she drew her pistol and she was on a knee and she was braced behind a desk and she was pointing at the door. She knew he was coming in. She had the foreknowledge to know he was coming to put her kids in the cubbies. So she knew it was going to happen. She already had sights on the door. Slack out of the trigger. 
this guy stick comes in, M4 or AR coming in first, and all you're doing is is just a little ambush right there. Pull the trigger till he falls down. You're you're ten feet away. How much? How? Give me give me thirty seconds, and I could train somebody to do that. That is, it's not it's not the most complicated thing out there. It's really not. Now, yeah, there's a lot of things that come into with stress and combat stress and everything else that's going on, but uh, in a situation like that, just if she had a gun pointed at the door, things would have been so different. Yeah, just uh, uh, before I forget, I'll throw a couple things at you, co- react to a couple things you said. First of all, uh, the thing about going to the school and signing a waiver, um, I don't, you know, it, it, that reminds me of, uh, you know, you've got to sign a waiver that, you know, your police are going to be armed and they're going to protect you. Is that okay? You know, I don't think we need a waiver for that kind of stuff. Um, I would hope not. But I, I kind of see what you're saying. But um, and the other, you know, kind of play devil's advocate with you a little bit is um, I agree with you that in 30 seconds you could teach somebody to, you know, set up that ambush point and so forth. But um, I think that it's a little more complex when you get into the and, and I'm sure I'm not saying anything that that you're not already thinking, too. But um, I would think the hardest part would actually be training the firearm safety aspect of it, because, you know, something like you touched upon, um, it, certainly in a school situation, it, it's not something where, um, you know, you want a, a teacher carrying in a, a briefcase or a purse or something. I mean, I, I can't, I can't tell you how many reports I've seen of, you know, teachers leaving their purses in class and they're gone for 10 minutes and then they come back and report something stolen. Uh, I think there's going to be, you know, a, a significant amount of training that we'd want to do to make sure that, um, you know, certainly that emergency situation can be handled, but, but more importantly, the routine situations where, you know, where that weapon's going to be, how it's going to be handled, how it's going to be kept in a manner that's going to keep the, uh, the kids and everybody else in the school safe. Yeah. There's different dynamics than, you know, going to the mall and carrying or just going shopping and carrying or whatever. When you're talking about a school and, you know, you're walking around a classroom or maybe you do leave for a few minutes and your purse and everything there. You got to think, we got to think ahead about those things. You know, solve those problems before they become problems. Cool. Yeah, I, I'm just pissed, man. I mean, I, when we talk about this, it, it, like this, it's, this is going to happen again. Yeah. It's just, it's a question of when and where. You know, I said not too long ago that, you know, we're, we're all one day away from being that city on the news. It's going to happen somewhere else. Man. We got to do something about this, like something real, you know, not just, well, let's pass an assault weapons ban and nobody will ever go into a school when you're gun-free zone and shoot anybody else again. Dude, you know, like if that happened, I said this when I talked to Paul and George, if that kind of thing went down and we did say, okay, let's push the magic no gun button and there was this magic big red button and you push it and every gun on the planet would just disappear magically. Well, I'd, well the name of this podcast would be uh, Sword Fighter Cast, you know, because that's what we'd be doing is sword fighting. We'd be talking about sword fight training because it's going to get replaced by something else. Well, yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, you know, how did that work in uh, China, wasn't it? Just around the same yeah. time. There's no yep, guns. Somebody went in with a knife yep. and did it. So, or, or, or how about the worst terrorist attack up until 9/11? You know, um, with Timothy McVeigh. You know, it's uh, or on the U.S. soil with Timothy McVeigh. He didn't use a gun. You know, it's like you, you don't. There, there's there's plenty of other options. Like they're gonna find a way. When someone wants to go in and kill kids, it doesn't take an AR-15 to go kill a six-year-old. It really doesn't. 
You know, the guy could have ran down, ran through there with a couple of kitchen knives and done pretty much the same amount of damage. You know, it's just, I, and I, I believe that. And it's, uh, we need to, we need to sit back and actually realize, like you're talking about, John, where nobody wants to accept this, that this is a reality. That would make all my nightmares come true. Well, guess right, your, your nightmares are true. They're not just, like dreams that you're dreaming of. These are this is reality. There are evil people out there that wish to do evil to good people, uh, and do not will not blink, will not think twice about it, and they will find some way to do it whenever that situation arises where they decide that they're going to go ahead and start hurting folks. They're going to do it. They're going to find a way. And the only way you can stop violence, you need to have violence. We need to have people willing to do violence on the behalf of those kids. People willing to stop someone who's coming in there, trying to kill them. They need to, we, we need to have, at least, give them the chance to protect our kids and to protect themselves. You know, don't die a hero because you sacrificed, you gave your life. You know, stay alive and be a hero because you took that evil person's life. I guarantee you. And I, let's say any one of those teachers right now, and this is speculation. I don't usually want to speculate too much on this show. Uh, what 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 do you think would happen, John? If one of those teachers was illegally carrying in that school that day, and this guy went in and killed that whole first classroom he went into, and then he was going to the next one, he was met by someone carrying illegally in that school and shot him. What do you think would happen to her? Well, uh, you know, um, I'm not sure, you know, exactly what you're looking for. I mean, I, I think what media-wise, I think she, I think they would try to ignore the fact they would try to leave the gun out of it as much as possible. But they would make that this person to be a hero because they saved so many kids. Yeah, I, I think she might. Yeah, I would. You would have some crazy fringe anti-gun groups out there still all about her being being evil. But I think for the most part, I think she would be a, a hero. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know exactly where you're going with that. I mean, because I, I kind of see that in two ways. First of all, um, I think history has shown us that if he opens the door and there's a teacher there with a gun, that's when. They don't want to fight anymore, and that's when they typically take their own life. So it might not be that the teacher would even need to shoot them. Um, generally, right. as soon as they meet armed resistance, that's that's their plan is to you know kill themselves. But absent that, I don't know. I don't. I don't think. Certainly, I don't. I don't think the person you know post a classroom full of uh, you know full of kids killed, and and they end up shooting. The bad guy, uh, I don't think it, there's going to be negative repercussions from them. I think they're going to gloss, like you said, try and gloss over the fact. But, uh, I mean, as far as is that person going to get charged with any violations or anything like that, uh, you know, I'd like to say no. Although, you know. Possibly. Yeah, well. Well, I'm thinking more about how how would society accept it. I mean, yeah. maybe the, the local DA or whatever has to pursue that because that's, the, you know, precedence dictates. But. The uh, I'm saying, you know, how would society view that? And I think they would view it, you know, positively. No, I agree. They really do. I agree. Uh, and well, I, I was just going to point out, you know, it, it's hard to say what the long term repercussions would be because, you know, some type of, it, it, it kind of goes. You know, you were saying what what kind of you know how the situation pisses you off, and uh, you know what kind of bothers me about the situation is, you know, regardless of how we feel now. I just get the feeling that, that, um, you know, people are going to come back from school after even as low as, you know, even as short as Christmas break. And, and suddenly the, the impetus isn't going to be there anymore to, 
to harden doors or get medical kits and everybody's just going to kind of bury their head in the sand again and uh like you said move on to worrying about american idol and stuff and and this stuff's just going to you know, people are going to forget again until until something else right. happens there's only a few of us out there that maybe i sound crazy i don't know there's only a few of us out there that realize the evil that's out there and that you as a police officer, you have seen the worst in people on pretty much every day you go to work, right? You know, it's Yeah, I can't you, imagine you've seen it. I, I can't imagine what those the first responding officers saw. I, I don't know how you, you know, how you bounce back from that, to be honest with you. I couldn't imagine that either. I mean I and I've like we've talked about in that show when we talked about the killing toll, I think was what it was called. Uh seeing children that way and stuff. And but not on that scale. Man, like, yeah, I don't see how you can go to work again. Like, and and that'd be tough putting that uniform back on again and going, you know, doing it again. Hats off to them, mm. uh, to everybody. It's going to happen again. It's what I, I don't want to. Uh, what I, that's what I want to emphasize the most. Like, like you said, we don't need to go back and forget about this and let it go, or just okay, the kind of the news worn off. Okay, the trauma's kind of worn down a little bit. Uh, the adrenaline's gone. Uh, we survived. It wasn't us. Okay, let's just move on and no big deal. We need to stay invigorated. We, as parents, as as firearms trainers, as podcasters and bloggers, as gun owners, we need to stay invigorated about this. We need to support the organizations that are pushing for real change that is going to help secure the safety of our kids. And we need to find out what that is and we need to do it. And I think it's a whole gamut of things. But one of the things that fall into that is an armed citizenry, an armed first line of defense, which is not the people that are uh, on the way. You know, I made a Facebook post about that, said that, uh, you know, every time something bad happens, there's a shooting or anything else, what do they do? They all call 911. We got to get men and women with guns here right away. And then they never there fast enough. Like, oh, it took them five minutes to get here or two minutes response time. Or just it, it just seemed like forever before they got here. I was so scared that we hear all those things. You know, what if we didn't have to call 911? What if we just sweep clothing, high firm pistol grip, draw our pistol, press sights on target, pull trigger, bad guy falls down, search and assess, start triage. You know, what What if that happened? Is that that's such a crazy concept? You know, we don't have to wait five minutes for a police to get here. How long is two minutes when a guy's running through with a semi-automatic rifle or a semi-automatic pistol or a, a revolver? Or a machete? You know, running, a machete, yes, anything. You know, it doesn't matter what you – heck, you could be running through with that dry chemical fire extinguisher. Somebody's walking around with a dry chemical fire extinguisher beating people in the head. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is, but someone's trying to hurt mass amount of people. Two minutes is a really, really, really long time. And uh, we've got to stop it. You know, And we don't do that by waiting two minutes for a police officer to get there. We have an armed citizenry trained and ready to respond as soon as the situation happens. It doesn't, st- it, it doesn't stop it from happening, but it's a prompt end once it does begin yeah and it kind of sounds like you're getting ready to wrap up you know i do want to say that you know if you do you do have kids in school if you've got a school resource officer uh you should really appreciate the the job they're doing not only in their you know their typical school stuff but you know right now they're the ones you know walking around your school with a bullseye on that 
you know, if something bad happens, that they're probably going to be the first target of any type of organized, uh, you know, organized plan. Um, so, you know, give, uh, if you get a chance, give them some appreciation. And lastly, we're not, we're not saying in any way that you need to go by the situation we gave earlier. We're not saying that you need to go carry concealed, uh, or carry on school grounds if you cannot legally do say. So we are not advocating the illegal carrying of firearms. Uh, we're saying that if you can't legally carry in school, then you need to start, you need to start asking people. Uh, and I'm talking about legislators. I'm talking about school boards. I'm talking about bringing it up in meetings, in PTA meetings. It needs to be discussed. We need to start talking about it. And if you know teachers and you're concerned about it, or if you have kids in school, you need to start bringing it up. Like we're not saying carry illegally in school. We're saying make it legal to carry in the schools. And do carry if it is legal for you. Yep. All right. Well, that's pretty much it. I uh, got for this whole episode. I'm sure I'll go back as I'm editing this and remember, realize I said a thousand things wrong and I wish I'd have said something else, but that's the way it always is. Well, it's, uh, again, it, it's a, every show. it's a complex situation. Um, certainly tried to look at it more in depth than, you know, just a put the guns in or take the guns out kind of episode. But, uh, yeah, yeah it's certainly it's you so can, much more than that. Yeah, you could talk about this stuff for hours and come up with, you know, stuff that, that we haven't, even considered so yeah but we're dev we're still we're not saying <laughs> we don't want to hear it because we know we didn't talk about it no send us email but we want to know what you're thinking uh join us on the freedoms network uh to start a discussion or i'll have a discussion up for this show join us on there talk about us tell us what you what your ideas are what are you thinking and tell us what you're doing uh if you're finding something that's working with your school board or your administration or something that's that's happening that's very successful in your area share it with the rest of the nation I mean, we don't get to talk to everybody in the U.S. Unfortunately, they don't all listen to Gunfighter Cast. I don't know but why. They should. But uh, you know, we'll 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 share it. Yeah, we'll share it with uh with the, with our audience. You know, if you got something good, something that's being that's working well with you, uh, absolutely. And uh, keep an eye out for the uh, Facebook page where uh, we start listing a lot of the major trainers that are offering free training to people involved with school administration. And it, the the um, I just want to point out that as far as our year in review. Uh, you know, the Facebook page is really taken off. I, I think when, you know, when I started with you at the beginning of the year, we were around 1,400, 1,500 people. We're up over, over 3,000. So there's definitely a, you know, a lot of people that have joined us over there. So a good place to share your ideas. I was just going to say, and along with Facebook, uh, you know, the Twitter, the Google Plus page, uh, like Daniel said, Freedoms Network, join us there. We've got some, some additional ways to, uh, Keep the conversation going, and uh, our friends over at Nolatac, a uh, little spot in their forum as well. Uh, also, John hasn't mentioned it yet, but uh, he was just published. Yes, I was. A um, little secret project I've been working on. Didn't want to mention it until uh, till it actually showed up in print, but uh, I did get uh, – I've sold four articles to Harris Publications so far. And, uh, the first of them just showed up in combat handguns. It's actually the March 2013 edition, but it's, uh, on newsstands now. So, uh, feel free to read that, make fun of it, point and laugh, all that good stuff. No, it's awesome, man. I'm really proud. And I'm sure all listeners will be excited to go pick that up and see you in there. Oh, I, I'm sure. If only I had my, 
my dry fit gunfighter cast shirt at the time, I could have put that on in the pictures. That's too bad. Now, did you happen to have uh, your credentials in there where it says you work? Do you have gunfighter cast added in there? Uh, you know what? I'm not even sure what they have for my credentials. I think I'm just this guy that writes articles. I don't know. I'll have to look at that. Again, now that yeah. now that you've kind of hooked me up with some gunfighter cast swag, some of that may make it into the photos. Heck yeah. But enough about my uh my publishing empire and all that good stuff. What are some uh <laughs> what are some other good shows that people can listen to if they're sick of my self promotion? Well, you can listen to Paul Carlson at the Safety Solutions Academy podcast. Really good show. Like I said, he was on here earlier and we didn't get to put it out there, but I'm sure we're gonna see him very very much in the near future. He's gonna come on. Uh, when I get back, and this could possibly be the last show from Japan. I hope so. And also, uh, Paul and I are planning on doing some stuff at SHOT Show. Uh, I think I'm going to make it a SHOT Show. I might be a day late, but it uh, looks like I'm going to make it. So, Really, really excited about that. Of course, there's also the uh, unnamed trucker over at uh, their Road Gunner podcast. Check him out. Good stuff over there always. As long as you uh, hate government, you'll like the Road Gunner podcast. This is true. I'm surprised he <laughs> I'm surprised he listens to me at all, to be honest with you. Go Yeah, because you're you're not a deputy sheriff or a uh you're you're a police officer. <laughs> yeah, it, Chaz yeah. Chaz, if you're listening, go TSA. Yeah, TSA's awesome. He loves them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those are a couple of good ones uh that are out there and there's plenty of other good ones that you guys can go check out that uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy. And if you find any that we don't ever talk about, maybe we've never heard of, we'd also like to hear about that. What else is out there? Because, you know, I don't get a chance to go looking much anymore. So uh, I'd like to know if there's anything that you enjoy that we've never talked about. So hook it up. Now, you, um, I think you mentioned that uh, you're even going to be hooking up with the gun dudes out at SHOT Show. Is that uh, the case? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think Stan and Carl and I are going to be roommates for SHOT Show. Wow. Yeah, I haven't got all the details worked out, but we've been texting back and forth, and I think that's going to happen. I'm really hoping to get out there to media range day. That's what I'm, I'm hoping to get there in time, but uh, it's all iffy right now, and haven't even bought a plane ticket from North Carolina out there yet, because I was going to go through San Diego, but now I'm going to go through Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, fly out there as soon as I get done checking out. Whenever I'm checked out and I'm released from the Marine Corps, flying straight to SHOT Show. Well, unfortunately, I won't be able to join you. The uh, pretty much the whole six-hour academy Next year we're is going. Take the jet. All right, we're gonna take the jet. Excellent. Next year we will. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, I've got to hold down the fort back in uh, at Sig back in Epping, so I will be there. Well, that's pretty much all I got going on. Just hoping to be out of here this coming weekend. If not, I'll be out of here the next weekend, so. and I'll be back to good bandwidth. Excellent. And the same time zone. Yes, that will that will be a big bonus. Yes, it will. All right. So join the NRA, Second Amendment Foundation, any local firearms groups, uh, you know, support the cause. If you have any questions or comments, uh, any type of future show topics, or, um, you know, want to hire us for karaoke at your next party, you can uh, email us <laughs> at uh, Daniel at Gunfighter Cast or John at Gunfighter Cast, both of those being dot coms, of course. And uh, that's all I have. So uh, until next time, be safe. Yep, that's all I got. Uh, thanks again for a great show and for what was fun anyway. And it's been a great year, John. Uh, thanks for coming on board and making it a year to remember. Next year is going to be even better. Yep. Until next year, 